With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, my! Turn up the bass, boy! Hi everyone and thanks for tuning in to the latest episode of the Glasgow's Green Podcast, aka GigPod. I'm Stevie and first off, apologies because my voice is practically away due to yesterday's antics. But I'm sure the blow is softened by the fact that the wonderful Rizzo is on with me to do the majority of the talking about Rangers 1, Celtic 2. A result which pretty much ensures league title is coming back to Celtic Park. 
John, I know you're a cautious man, but surely that's it. Uh, hello, everyone. Well, we should win it, aye. I'm not taking it 100% for granted. I mean, there's still six games to go. I don't think the players will be taking it for granted. We'll probably still have some difficult games, but we really should win it for now. And uh, it was a sensational performance for the boys yesterday. We watched the game together in the pub, and I know folk will be wanting to know just what the atmosphere was like and what your day was like. So how did it rate for you in a scale of 1 to 10 of how much you enjoyed yourself yesterday? Eh, 10, I suppose. Well, maybe 9, because uh, we did go to a pub that wasn't very good for a bit that I won't name. But no, I'd say a 10, even though I didn't enjoy the second half, as we'll talk about, even though I non-stop said before the game, we'll win, we'll win, and we did win. And I said, when we talked about it, in fact, on when I was on Gigpod the last time, I think I said we'd win. I did somehow still sort of <laughs> um, panic during the second half, which no doubt we'll talk about. But uh, no, I'd say 10 out of 10. It was, a, it was a great day. There's a photo of my phone of you that may or may not be released as bonus content at the end of the season. Well, you mean we never get, we never get my head in my hands, you mean? <laughs> yes. I couldn't watch it. <laughs> I know, we won't mention who took that for you, but uh, no, <laughs> probably on, if I was watching in the house though, that would I would have been doing exactly the same thing, like for some reason thinking that if you don't watch it, that makes Rangers less likely to score, although I don't know how that would have stopped it happening, <laughs> no, I could hardly watch the second half because I was sort of worried to the equalise and then I had a dispute with you as well because then injury time you went, oh well we're kind of get beat now. And I flew off the handle at you and said that was ridiculous. And I think you wittily replied that I should grow up, which I can't, I'm not taking off you. <laughs> Everybody agreed. Well, they were all wrong and I was right. I'd have been a colossal pain in the arse if we'd give away an equaliser yesterday. But thankfully we never. But no, I think I was in the right there. That No, it would have been bad show. I mean, the, the rest of the day would have been crap for a start if we'd give away an equaliser in the last minute. So uh, no, thankfully we did manage to hang on and win and it was a... A great day. And would you also give the day 10 out of 10? I would. I'm going to talk very quickly before we talk about the game about the three things that just made the day yesterday. One, you you, you gone for a subway. That was ridiculous. It was I had ordered chips. Well, aye, but that's, I'd never get any dinner one again. And uh, as in, a, in a known football group chat that I'm in, a witty reply to your tweet about me going for a subway, ended up in the group chat, and it's not not, not a chat to do with football, right? So, obviously, my reputation for eating subways is preceding me, so that's the last time I go for a subway, right? and next time we get to watch a game, if we get to watch a semi-final, I'm 100% not going for a subway. Secondly, I'm not going to say the pub we were in, and it was good, but the chaps were atrocious, weren't they? I mean, they were nice, but the portion size, it was like awful. I mean, it's a bad day when I'm complaining about like food, isn't it? They were, eh... Uh... Not great, I have to say. The pub was actually okay, but in general, and there was some other Celtic fans there. Also some Rangers fans, which was a bit odd, but then, I mean, it doesn't really matter, I suppose. But uh, no, they were they weren't the great, so I think the, less, the other lesson to learn is don't buy chips for that unnamed establishment again. Yeah, so two other things. One, this is where you get to have a wee dig at me. Then 2017, the Scottish Cup final, John, a well-known story about me when I saw us scoring against Aberdeen. I knew it was inevitable, and I applauded Tom Rogic's last-minute goal. Of course, I gave my ticket away to an unnamed individual as well that day who went with you. Anyway, 
you have ribbed me for like the last five years because I politely applauded that goal. You've never really seen me going absolutely mental because we don't really get to go and watch games together. Well, you're usually at the game or you're at the game and we don't sit at the same bit of Celtic Park if you get a ticket and whatever. But no, you can tell with the listeners who went nuts yesterday, not once but twice. Well, three times if you include the final whistle, but no, you did uh, celebrate wildly. Although we have watched Celtic games before, but I think even though we've known each other for a very long time, more than 10 years, and that is a long time, I don't know if I've ever watched a derby together. I mean, we've watched other games, but I don't remember us ever watching a derby. So it was certainly, the celebrations were certainly uh, memorable and there was other people in the pub sort of celebrating as well. Although I did notice that three women that came in that were sitting relatively near us did sort of move on relatively early, no doubt. Well, they were sort of applauding the game, but I don't know they were. They were like big Celtic fans or anything. But uh, no, there was uh, a healthy celebration, I'd say, in the pub. After the look when we scored, but then there was also a lot of tension, I'd say, in this in the second half as well. And like people were doing daft things, like applauding when we did daft fouls and stuff, which I, I couldn't understand. But no, the celebrations were very good. Finally, a momentous meeting between yourself and Ryan McGinley last night in when you was in Merchant City. Truly, one of the spectacular moments of the season so far. It certainly was one of them, and it was good to meet a, a fellow Gigpod contributor, and it was a. A good night in there, I know Neil's, I have to say. So, 10 out of 10 for uh, for the pub after the game. <laughs> well, maybe 1 out of 10 for another pub, won't they? 10 out of 10 for Celtic as well in the park. John, floor is yours. They were exceptional yesterday. Main thing was always getting the result, wasn't it? And they achieved it. And do you know what? They were quite comfortable doing so. We were, especially when you consider how we gave away a goal after two minutes, which was the absolute worst start. Although I did, I think, see we still won. And I was like, Honest, I meant that. I still thought we'd win. But no, the way we came back for that, we were, we created the better chances when it was one each. Even in the second half, even though Rangers had lots of possession, they really only had half chances. We had two great chances in the second half to score. Uh, Abada had two very good chances. And no, it was a brilliant performance. I mean, it was okay. I, <laughs> I don't know why I was in a panic in the second half. Just I think just the circumstances of the game and it was, would have been such a massive win for us, which it was. Well, I thought we were brilliant. I mean, Ange got his team selection right. We'll talk about that in a minute. And like the players all fought very hard. Nobody was a let down. I mean, I thought even Hitati, who faded badly at the start of the second half, he still played a part with his role in the first goal. Even somebody like near Beaton, who I know gets a lot of stick and you get pelters for suggesting that he might start uh, the game, which he didn't, but he came on and I thought he was very, very good. He did what had to be done, helped break the game up. And no, I thought it was a very professional performance and the players in Ange should be all delighted and proud of ourselves. And i seen after the game, I think they said that they're not getting carried away, but shouldn't they yet? But no, a great win. Uh, and it was, as you say, relatively comfortable in the end. And, well, the first team we won at Ibrox in uh, Scottish football since Hamilton, would you believe? In uh, March 2020, I think it was, just before uh, COVID ball started. So, no, I thought it was a great win. That's the last twice we've played them in, I think, the last two months, and we've beaten them 5-1 in aggregate. So, there's no doubt that we are the best team in Scotland, and we should go on and win the league title, and that'll be, uh, no doubt, another Great deal of celebration. But no, I thought we were fantastic. You know, before the game, when the team was announced, I did stress that no matter what, 
I trusted the manager. You did too. I think we all did. And I did promise myself that I wouldn't be taken to social media to groan and grumble about the team, even if, you know, it wasn't the team that I would have went with for that game. And I think the curveball thrown in was, well, it was two actually, wasn't there? There was no Kyogo there. But to be fair, the manager never once actually came out saying, yeah, Kyogo's going to feature and he's going to start. He just said everyone's fit and available. But it was more the fan base that get hyped up with Kyogo. So people were obviously up in arms about that. But Ange never once, you know, hinted that Kyogo was going to feature. The second big call was Tom Rogic in midfield. Now we remember Rogic in a high-tempo game like Bodo. Um, it was terrible, to be honest, him and Matt O'Reilly in that midfield were way off the pace. The fact that Tom Rogic was taken off against Ross County came off with a, wasn't it a serious injury after all, but obviously it was a troublesome one. So I didn't think we were going to see him and I didn't think he'd be like match fit for it. I thought we were going to see Matt O'Reilly in there. But Tom Rogic really did justify why Ange played him. Again, we've put our faith in the manager. He sees him day in, day out in training. In that first half, Tom Rogic not only did he score, but just generally, he strolled through it, didn't he, John? And I know you love Tom Rogic, so you can weigh in with the plaudits here for the big man. I thought he was brilliant. He completely controlled the midfield as soon as like we equalised. Well, all thanks, thanks to his goal, of course. No, he was, had managed to find loads of space, loads of time. He practically never lost the ball. And I could understand why he played him. Because it was, I thought, in a way, I could see a case for both players. I thought O'Reilly might start because that midfield three, O'Reilly, Hatati, and McGregor was so good when we beat Rangers 3 uh, nothing. But Rogic has got that big game experience. He has been so good against Rangers in the past. In fact, he scored the equaliser the last time we uh, came behind to win Ibrox and we won 3 2 a couple of years ago. So, no, but I thought he was excellent. I think he, he tired a bit in the second half, which was understandable when you consider he had that ankle injury. And he missed the games for Australia, so it was a big gamble that, he, that Ange played him. But no, he was fantastic. Typical Tom Rogic. I mean, sometimes he has quiet games, and as you said, against Bodo Glimt, him and O'Reilly didn't work, and there was no way that both of them were going to play. Ibrox, that would have been dreadful. That would have been a real mistake, but I can see the midfield right away. But no, Rogic controlled the game. Just a pity he couldn't last a bit longer. But this, I think the sort of the game was bypassing a bit in the second half uh, because like, Rangers had more of the ball and we were getting forced back a bit. But no, Ange did the right thing and it, his gamble paid off because Rogic excels in the big games usually for us and he definitely excelled yet again against Rangers and I've no doubt now that when we play him again in the Cup in a couple of weeks that Rogic will be in the starting lineup and he may even score again. Ange's got so much about Tom Rogic this season. John, we have said it a few times this season on Gigpod that you thought Tom Rogic's sort of best years were behind him. But the way that the manager has got him playing his football, got him enjoying his football again, and as we saw in that first half yesterday, it's such a credit to what he's done because I think the majority of the fans would have never expected to see peak Tom Rogic again that we got under Brendan Rodgers. But I would actually say that under Ange, he's probably been more impressive because he's not just like a luxury cameo player anymore. He's contributing a lot to the team. There's more to his game now under Ange than what there ever was under Brendan and I know you have always rated Tom Rogic so you must be absolutely overjoyed in the transformation on him. I mean I can't remember if we were doing a gig pod when he was going to get sold to Qatar or we hadn't started gig pod but I remember I think talking to you and I thought it was going to be uh, terrible if he left because I know he wasn't a big favourite under Lenny and 
I think a lot of people, as you say, thought his best days were behind him, but obviously Ange knows him well for a time in Australia. And I'm, I'm surprised that he's been so prominent now when you consider that he's been in Celtic for so long. I mean, he has had some injuries. He's got that magic touch about him, but he can just do the sort of things. I've always thought that he can sort of... He's got the skills and guile and creativity that on his day, nobody in Scottish football can cope with. And I mean, even his finish yesterday, we'll talk about it again probably in a wee bit later on when we discuss the game in, like, in more depth. But his finish was so cool and composed. I mean, I think anybody else might have panicked and like blutered it, as they say. But no, he knew what it was going to do. He put it out of reach of McGregor. And it's great that he's a main man again. And I mean, he's, there's no guarantee he's going to play every week because the midfield's that strong now. I mean, O'Reilly came on yesterday and got injured, but Turnbull came on and Tumble was so big for us in the first half of the season. He'll have a role to play, I think, between now and the end of the season. And no, I thought Rogic was brilliant. And it's just another great memory to have with him when he, when he eventually leaves. I mean, you're good on as a right Celtic hero for the goals he scored. Well, obviously, that goal that you didn't celebrate was his biggest Celtic goal. But <laughs> no, I thought Rogic was great again. I mean, run out of superlatives for him. We could talk about Tom Rogic maybe for the next 45 minutes, John, but we have a show to get through and everybody listening will want to hear us talking about the game. And I'll tell you who's lucky that we actually got a win and recovered though. Joseph Juranovic. Now I have bigged up JJ time and time again on here. But John, there's opening five minutes. Awful from Celtic collectively, but JJ for that goal, terrible. Completely took out a position by that pass, but Bassey just gave Kent loads and loads of room to put the cross in. And he'll, that's really the first time I can remember that he's looked a poor defender, but it was in the the biggest game. And it was really, really bad to lose your man like that. You give Kent, who might know, like, be in the best of form for Rangers, I don't think, for what I can tell this season. But, I mean, in Europe, he's been one of the better players. And imagine giving him space like that to put in a cross. It was so, so bad. I mean, even after that, after we scored, and, like, the, him in the midfield and defence at the time were a bit ropey to for a spell. No, I thought it was really poor. I mean, he came on to a game a bit more in the setting half, but I bet at half time, Ange got tore into him for that, and he really should have, because the worst thing you can do, usually, is if you're playing Rangers at Ibrox, I can see the goal in the first five minutes. That is just, you don't do that. And I thought it was terrible defending. So I know he's your main man, so you better come up with a, a defence for him, if you can, for what he done yesterday. To be honest with you, John, I can't just sit here and defend JJ just because I like him the most in the team and he's contributed so much just to neglect that it was really, really bad defending from him. You can only really hope that it was like a one-off and the atmosphere got to him and got to the team in the first five minutes because it wasn't just him. I mean, Taylor was just lumping the ball back to their midfield. Starfelt was doing what he did in August, constantly giving the ball to them as well. Uh, Even CCV wasn't looking as assured as what he usually is. To be fair, the team settled down. And a lot of that was down to Callum McGregor and then Tom Rogic combining for the goal. John, honestly, Callum McGregor for that goal, the way that he just took three players out of the game, he got in the inside of Calvin Bassey, fed Rogic, and Rogic's shot, I mean, the space Rogic had, his shot was deflected into the path of Hatati. I think with Hatati's effort, I mean, Alan McGregor's got to do better there. But the way that Rogic, in you know, it was like a split second, really. He didn't have a lot of time to think about it. I know as a professional footballer, John, in that moment, you've got to imagine nine times out of ten, they put it away. But you have seen players from that position in those type of environments and atmospheres 
balloon it over the bar or you know, had it right at McGregor or something. But the way that he angled it away from McGregor into the other side, I thought it was really composed and clinical. The timing of that goal was crucial, but it was all really down to Callum McGregor's leadership, wasn't it, on the pitch. And Tom Rogic, we was quick thinking, and it got us back in the game at such a great time. Right, now, before I talk about McGregor, just one quick thing about the Rangers goal, I want to ask you, do you think that Joe Hart should have been better, done better for it, or do you think he'd no blame? I would say Hart isn't completely blameless, but 99% of it is down to Juranovic, sadly. Right, okay, right, now on to uh, McGregor. I thought yesterday was maybe his best game as Celtic captain, even better than the 3-0 win, because we had that game wrapped up like, by half-time, even though Rangers were the better team in the second half, of course. We did have that game uh, won easily, but yesterday he had to drag the team up. It, was sort of, it reminded me of a Scott Brown performance, really. That run that he did was like a run that Scott Brown could have done. I mean, he didn't do that that often, but at a game like Ibrooks, he was always up for it, and had the team like prepared and getting everybody's face and didn't give the opposition a minute and I thought he was fantastic. Yes, that is definitely his best game I'd say he's captain and that run was just so dynamic. It, you don't really see that often for him because it's sort of more how you'd associate with Rogic. It's more his type of run or a guy like David Tumble even. They're more the sort of attacking midfielders we've got McGregor's sort of the guy that it sort of calms it down and does it e- takes it easy, like, like it is for Scotland, like part of a function midfield, but that was a, a great run. I mean, they were terrified, obviously, to challenge him because it might have been a penalty, though. You never know what they call him. He wasn't actually that bad yesterday, what they call him. But no, I mean, that goal, obviously, Rogic gets the credit because it was such a composed finish and Hattati as well for the shot that sort of led to the goal. But no, that was brilliant. But McGregor, really good captain's play, just take the ball for a run get it in up Rangers' box and see what happens. Because, I mean, I know they and other people going about our defence, and it has been rope at times, but our defence is better than Neil's. That showed me both the goals. I know that was a real captain's role for McGregor. I think it's... I had a dodgy start to the season, but I think everybody did. But you just saw how good a player he was in the Euros. I mean, when Scotland... I know this isn't the Scotland podcast, but I always think back to that Scotland-England game where... Scott's midfield that night were absolutely brilliant and he was a big reason for that. And he's eventually took that form, he Celtic. I mean it's the captaincy. I was a bit concerned at first it may have been too big for him. But no, he seems to have got it. I think winning the League Cup made a big difference as well. That was the first trophy he picked up his as captain and hopefully he picks up another two by the end of May. And no, just like uh, the team and Rogic, you know enough superlatives for Cal McGregor, he yesterday it was a real captain's performance. You were talking about like a Scott Brown type of performance. It was different where McGregor did all his talking on the pitch. Like Brown in those games got into Rangers players' heads and wound them up. He's not the sort of guy that winds them up. No, he's, that's not his sort of thing. Although I think he did in the last half. I'm giving me that shout at one of them. But sorry, in the last Glasgow Derby, did a Scott McDonald there. I think he did shout at one of them. I think it was uh, Barasic. But no. He's a different type of guy, Scott Brown. Before we talk about the second goal, right, you were talking earlier about Willie Collin being the ref and how it may or may not have been a penalty if McGregor went down. It's mad that no one seems to be talking about the fact that we should have had one when Dyson Maeda was fouled. Yes, that was a penalty. I mean, we saw it in replays especially get took out by McGregor. I mean, it wasn't like the most obvious of penalties, but it was still a penalty because he did like make contact with him when he was when direct message, as I call him, was uh, going through and goal. 
but you're right, there hasn't really been a lot of talk about that, probably because we won, and that's I think what everybody's focused on, but if we hadn't won, no doubt it would have been called paranoid and all that, it was not a penalty, blah, blah, blah. But no, it is weird that there's not been a lot of talk about that, because it was, like, but a letter that a law, apparently, but, oh well, I mean, we don't get penalties that often at Ibrox, so I suppose it was maybe too much to hope for getting 1-0 yesterday. Well, we didn't make it to one anyway, John, and this is where, I think, yet again, the set pieces that we've been working on have been paying off. That was another goal from a set piece, as you know, John. Jota whipped it in, and a lot of the blame, I think, for that goal was down to Al McGregor. Now, if you watch Rangers and you watch Al McGregor, he doesn't come for crosses. He's not aggressive enough, and he's not proactive enough when it comes to dealing with him. He stays on his line a lot and just hopes that Goldson and Holland or Balogun will deal with it. Now, on this occasion, there was just no communication in that Rangers defence. All of them froze. The ball bobbled about and Cameron Carter-Vickers smashed at home. I reckon our management had genuinely been watching Rangers in the last few weeks when it comes to set pieces, certainly domestically and in Europe, because if you watch them, McGregor rarely comes out to claim a cross. So with Jota whipping that ball in, a high floaty one in the back post, I reckon you know it was the intended tactic there was to cause chaos because McGregor wasn't going to come for it. And at that time, Rangers were very ropey. They didn't look sure of themselves at all. They benefited from the chaos, if you will. Cameron Carter-Vickers, who's been an incredible signing for us, smashed it in. And at that moment, John, me, you, everyone we watched the game with, were going mental. Because deep down, you knew getting into one at half time was massive for us. And more than likely, it was just going to demoralise Rangers and their fans. You see that a certain uh, gig pod regular though did see at half time that the game reminded them of a 4 2 loss there in, 20, uh, in 2011. A 4 2 loss. I reckon we were 1 2 1 at half time the day I wore that, that unfortunate shot, which has uh, been immortalised on Twitter. But no, it was a, a very composed finish by CCV again, another set piece that's maybe. Four or five goals recently. We've got set piece goal. We've, we've scored for a set piece, and I don't watch Rangers that often. I have to say, yes, a Celtic fan that doesn't watch Rangers, I'm shocked, I know. But if, if you look back at the goal, even that we scored uh, in the three 0 game, when a badder like get in the box, I know that was a brilliant cross, but McGregor didn't come off his line there either. He was like, rooted to the line. For what I've saw, the goals that they've conceded, I've I think that McGregor's been staying on his line a lot. I mean, I don't really have anything much to say about him. He has been a very good goalkeeper, unfortunately, but I think probably his time's passed now, and that's their problem. I mean, I don't know. They might not even play him in the semi-final. I don't know. That remains to be seen. But no, that was a smart tactic. And I do think, I think we've talked about it before, but they definitely have worked on set pieces. When they had that uh, week in between games, after we got knocked out of Europe, we stopped playing every week and then we had like the week in between games. I think it was Livingston and Dungeon United or Hibs and Livingston. It might have been, I can't remember. But we definitely, I think, have spent a lot of time working on set pieces and we keep scoring goals for set pieces and it's weird because for practically the entire season, I think a lot of people, including me, have been complaining that our set pieces have been nowhere near good enough. I still don't think our free kicks are that good. I mean, I wouldn't expect us to score for like a free kick 30 yards out because, I don't know, maybe you know that Tumble's back, he'll maybe start taking them, but we haven't really got a free kick specialist since Eddie left, but no, I mean, now when we've got a corner, I'm expecting us to at least get a good chance and maybe even a goal, and for three quarters of the season, I wasn't expecting that, so whatever I and the guys in training I've got up to, it's paid off, because that was an excellent uh, corner by Jota yesterday, Rangers defence just getting a panic and 
some findings by CCV. A striker would have been proud of it. All right, John, we'll talk about the second half. To be honest with you, not a lot really happened. Celtic were very comfortable and Rangers bombarded us in the last third. But Joe Hart only really had one thing to do. And the majority of the time, Rangers were just getting caught offside, lumping crosses, which CCV and Starfelt dealt with admirably, to be honest with you. But before all that, we do have to talk about that idiot chucking the bottle in the pitch. I'd imagine they're going to get hammered for that, and rightly so. I mean, we were watching that at the time, and there was a lot of confusion because no one really knew it was happening. The camera zooms in, and you see it's a broken glass bottle now. It takes a lot to shock me. It really does. But seeing a broken glass bottle in the pitch, loved it, Joe Hart was just, and I mean this sincerely, utterly disgusting, to be honest. I, I don't really want to say much about it because obviously this episode's about a great one yesterday. But no, that was a bad show and I've seen it, a lot of Rangers fans are really annoyed about it and I can understand why. And really, it just is daft. I mean, trying a glass bottle when a pitch is so daft. And no, imagine whoever done it, I'll get probably banned Firebrooks and imagine Rangers will probably get a fine or something as well. And they'll probably be embarrassed about that as well. I mean, that just makes us them look bad, it makes everybody look bad and no, that was daft and I think we should leave it there and concentrate more on the setting half, which I only half watched because I was in a a panic that would gear away an equaliser for some reason Just very quickly from me, hopefully the SPFL don't make them play games behind closed doors because who knows John, they could actually go on a run and win the league <laughs> Zing, etc, etc No, uh, good point Right, on to the setting half. Considering Rangers were pushing forward and looking for an equaliser, the best chances came through us. I mean, Leila Bada really should have scored. Alan McGregor, who we have slaughtered, pulled off a wonder save from him with like 10 minutes to go or something. But honestly, I never once felt, and this is where me and John here are, I don't think there's going to be a Rami, but it'll be a disagreement. Certainly watching it together, because I was very comfortable in the second half watching it. I felt Rangers had used up all their energy, they were exhausted and they just seemed mentally shattered trying to break us down. I didn't think they had the capability to do that, to be honest. And the fans, as we've been saying, the fans weren't driving them on anymore. They were getting on their back. They were grumbling. They were moaning. They were groaning. They were shouting abuse at them for like sideways passes when they weren't going forward with it when we were pressing them. So in my opinion, the second half was very routine, but I know you're going to completely disagree with me here, John. And I know these games, right, you can't have a predicament. All it takes is one moment or a referee's blunder to change the whole complexion of it. But honestly, I can back this up because you saw me yesterday. I was nowhere near as stressed out as you were. Why were you just so tense in that second half? And no, don't say because it's such a massive game. I know that. But what was it about our performance? Was there anything for them that you were worried about? It's because of the game. I mean, because of the situation of the game. One and two, one at Ibrooks, knowing how big the game was, if we won, it would be six points ahead with six games to go. I mean, I don't care what you said in injury time. Oh, we'll not get beat now. No, that that that, that wouldn't have been that at all. It would have been really, really poor. I said it before, so again, if we'd give away any players in the last minute. They'd, I don't care how bad Rangers were. That would have gave them confidence to be still in the title hunt. And they'd think they could still win the league. And imagine now that I think nearly everybody thinks that we were going to win the league. So that that's what I was so tense. I really had no right to be tense, but I'm always tense watching us play Rangers. I mean, if we're playing another team and we're winning two one, like in in the second half and they were bombarding us to an extent, but we were clearing away, I'd be like, oh, we'll be fine, because they, I mean, they the South Rangers games are bigger. It's it's obvious. I mean, look at the celebrations of the goals yesterday. I mean, 
Apart from if it's a cup final or something, and I don't mean that as a dig at you, apart from if it's a cup final or something, you don't really get celebrations like that. It, that game is bigger than MD. That's how the Australian people were going to, the Australian government however, was going to give millions of pounds to play out there. So it was just this, this, that's why I was in such a, a nerve-wracked state. I mean, because it was such a huge game for us. I mean, I probably won't be as bad, I hope, for the semi-final, because, I mean, that's a sort of different sort of game. <laughs> well, I don't know, though, I might be. I was a bit worried when we played Rangers in the cup final a couple of years ago. But then I suppose they were, that game they really were bombarding us and they created hundreds of chances. No, literally, but they created tons of chances. And you, like yesterday, they'd won that Sakala shot that was a excellent save, I think, for Joe Hart. Really strong save. And, like, I think Roof was offside for the rebound anyway. And, like, as you say, we did have the better chances. A bad, I had that one, the first one, where he had a, like, just, I think his feet mixed up. And he had a, like, his shot was weak. But actually, that second one, even though it was a good save by McGregor, he should have scored. If he put it to either side of McGregor, it was a, it was a goal. It was still an, an excellent save, and it's a sort of typical McGregor save. But, I mean, I think everybody was nervous in the second half. You're not going to deny that. But, I mean, obviously, use my eyes to watch the game, whereas I mostly sort of had my, my head done and uh, sort of averting my eyes for the screen and uh, got to the toilet umpteen times. I mean, I don't know what difference I would have made, none. But it, it made me feel better <laughs> for some reason. But no, it was just such a huge game. That's why I was so tense and uptight about it. And I'm not usually, you know that. And all along, I said with one. And even when Rangers went one up, I said with one. And we did one. But no, for some reason, I got myself dead uptight. And I've, I've no idea why. You're a passionate football fan. Passionate Celtic fan. And these games do bring out a different side to you, don't you? <laughs> Thank you. I will let you off. But you said, regardless, even if Rangers did score first, we would still win. One of the things I said was, I just felt that even if Rangers did score first, I didn't think it was going to decide the match. And at least, you know, because all we needed to do was like play for the draw, really, even though that's never what Ange does, whereas Rangers had to win. No, no, this again. Playing for a draw would have been ridiculous. I mean, the way you were going on yesterday, I think some of you were settled for a draw when, when like they were like, on the attack for the second half. I mean, no, Ange wouldn't have done that, but with the circumstances of the game, I think a draw would have been a bad result. It's because that only would have been three points in it. All right, I know our goal difference is much better, but three points in it still gives him a good chance to win the league. I know it's unlikely, but a good chance. So, no, a draw wouldn't have been a good result, in my opinion. And if Rangers had won, I would have made them favourites for the title, even though I still think we probably would have won it, because I think they would have took huge confidence for that. But obviously that didn't happen. But no, a draw, I don't think would have been a good result yesterday. I can understand people saying why it wouldn't have been the end of the world if we drew. Or even get beat because we've got the huge goal difference advantage. But no, we had to go and win and we did. So I don't see, I couldn't see where MD was coming from with that. Yes, John, let's stop talking about a draw that never happened and lavish praise on the brilliant Dyson Maeda. Now, John, we were watching it yesterday and every time we saw him pressuring Rangers in the defence, we were just applauding. We were roaring as if it was a goal itself. It was, you know, exactly what you want to see. The tracking back, the chasing he was doing, the hunger, the desire, the energy he was showing to sort of close down Bassett, close down Tavernier, Goldson, Balogun. Unbelievable. And that's what you want to just see as a fan. It was, it was playing like, you know, if you were to say a Celtic fan who was like a fit, healthy uh, Celtic fan, 
go out there. So no me no me or you then. Yeah, correct, right. Anyway, so as I say, a fit and healthy Celtic fan would run through brick walls basically for the team, for the cause, and that's what Dyson Maeda did. He recorded forty eight pressures yesterday in the derby. This is from at Boys Analytics who said it was well above his twenty seven average, seven point five seven pressure regains as well. John, an unbelievable amount of running. He was the key to the game yesterday. Etienne Bojan, my friend, has been saying all week, if Ange deploys him to press Rangers' backline, that game's going to be won, and it's going to be Celtic's, and it's all down to Maeda. John, he was the man in the match for myself. I know you probably feel the same way. Incredible performance from him. I thought Maeda was uh, fantastic. It's either him or McGregor that's man in the match for me, but he was so quick. I mean, never gave them a second. If you think about it, we talked about that penalty that he could have got earlier. He had the other chance as well when he sort of ran through and Rogic ended up having a shot saved and then Rangers managed to like, clear the second shot. He was absolutely great. I mean, that's definitely the best role for him. No as a goal scorer, although he does weigh in with some big goals looking at one at Livingston. But as a guy that doesn't give the opposition a minute, and it's, we've got a really good problem now because... Obviously, Kyogo's back, and I'll be desperate to get back in the team, judging by what Ange says, he's desperate to play already. We've got Gigi as well, who I thought was very good yesterday. He didn't like, get a lot of service or chances. It was a, quite unlucky with a header, but he worked so hard, and it was a, a typical striker's performance if you want to win at Ibrox, like win three kicks, like keep the ball, keep possession. I thought he was excellent. And direct message, as I say, was just outstanding. I mean, it's a really good problem to have. We've got so many good attackers now. We've got Abada who came on. He may be having a sort of rough period now, but he still scored 14 goals. Jota, who sort of had a quiet game, but he's been great this season. He did have a brilliant cross, though, that was clear for a corner. It's a great problem to have, and well done to Ange, because these January signings have been brilliant for the most part. I mean, it's a pity for Aide Gucci that he's not really featured. I think we'll probably see the best of him next season. But Hitati, I mean, he faded a bit yesterday, but for the most part, he's been excellent, and direct message has just been great. I'm going to stop calling him that now, because I know it'll be winding people up, but no, I think he was just a great, great striker's performance, especially when you consider that he didn't actually score, but Rangers just couldn't cope with him. He was so quick. I remember a, a ball in the setting half that we played we played down the wing, and like it looked like it was just going to stop, but he managed to run, like use his speed, to get to it and put Rangers under pressure. No, it's exactly what Ange would have wanted him to do. And it's a, one of the best like, striker performances at Ibrox, like without scoring a goal. I mean, obviously, you had like, guys like Eddie and Dembele recently who were excellent at Ibrox and managed to score. It's a pity that Dyson couldn't score, but in every other aspect of his game, I thought he was absolutely brilliant. Now, before we take all the followers and listeners' comments on what was their favourite moment yesterday, I'm going to have to ask you, John, what was your favourite moment from the game? I'd probably just say the, the celebrations at the end of the 700 hardy Celtic fans. I mean, I saw a guy, I saw a clip on a Twitter, a guy who, whatever they was singing, like he was he had his wheelchair up in there, and <laughs> he was celebrating. But no, I just thought the celebrations at the end were probably my favourite moment. I mean, obviously in the pub they were great, and at Ibrox with the 700 fans, I mean, well done to them that travelled there. That must have been the sort of intimidating atmosphere, but really we strolled it, and like the players obviously you could tell how delighted they are, and just celebration as well, a typical sort of Ange, understated celebration. I don't think he's 
I, even when he won the league, he'll probably, oh sorry, if we win the league, he'll probably know, go over the top. I just don't think that's his style. He'll probably just sort of thump his chest a few times and get a fist pump. But no, that's the scenes at the end of the game, I'd say, well, my highlight. So, Steve, apart from spending the day with me, which were, what were your highlights of the day? Honestly, I would say when that second goal went in, because it was the closest thing to, God, it sounds sad here, but there's a lot of fans there that should have been at the Brimlin, and due to Rangers' pettiness, weren't able to do that. But it was the next best thing to being at the Brimlin, being sort of with my close friends and celebrating that goal like that. Because when you score a goal at Ibrooks and you're in that Brimlin, you just hug everyone. It's just the emotion that comes over you. Like for that minute or so, you just basically don't know where you are. It's it's an incredible feeling that comes over you. Despite not being at the match, John, it was still like the next best thing, being there sort of with yourself and other individuals who are just massive Celtic fans, care so much about the club, put a lot into the club, and it was just rewards, basically, for what has been back in the team all season and having faith in the manager, having faith in the team, getting to that point where no matter what, like we never gave up, never turned our back on them, there was no abuse and all that, even at 1-0 down, it was total encouragement, we totally believed in them, and when that second goal went in, I just felt that was that was it for us, like we had done it, obviously we still got games to play, but it just feels like, you know, officially that was one hand on it, I didn't ever think Rangers were coming back from it, so that was mine, just the sheer emotions, when that second went in, the players loved it, the manager loved it as well, and even guys like Scott Bain going mad in the dugout as well. No, he hasn't featured this season. He probably won't because Joe Hart's the mainstay for our team. But it was great to see even fringe players uh, like Adeguchi. Hopefully, we see more of him. Him at the end, he was loving it, and there's a real togetherness in this team now, all over the club. There's a real togetherness among all the fans. Among the manager and his staff and the players and everyone's just all pulling in the right direction and it's really fantastic to see, John. It's very moving words there and I mean, uh, say me sincerely. <laughs> no, as you say, uh, as everybody pulling together, I mean, it's so different for last season, not just because last season was COVID and it ruined everything, but I mean, when you had like Lenny chucking the players under the bus, like even before the season had started and there was a fan protests. I mean, like, there was everybody pulling in different directions, and Celtic are always better when everybody's united as one, and that's the way it has been since Ange came in. It might have started off sort of no great, but we generally got there, and I think you could see, as you said, I haven't really saw Scott Bain in that celebration. Maybe I'll need to watch the game again later before I go to see the great band fucked up tonight. But uh, no, as you say, it was a great day, and now we're going to hear what everybody else's great, greatest moments of the game were. We did ask you guys to engage and tweet us in what your favourite moments were and also send us messages on Instagram. So I've compiled them all and I'm going to start reading them out just now. There was at Steve Letford who said his favourite moment was the way McGregor turned the tide with his run leading to the equaliser. Just how pivotal that was for the for the team. Um, at Jigsboy88, he is a big fan of Gigpod and also tunes into 67 Hail Hail regularly. He said, so many, but the first and second goals, the team celebrations with the fans, not to forget the reaction on 67 Hail Hail as well. John, did you watch the reaction with myself and Hamish? I haven't watched it yet, but I will after we finish this. Bloody better. There was also <laughs> at John 67 said again, a lot of people seem to love Calmac driving at them for a first goal. It was a catalyst for the comeback. Totally agree with you, John D. 
at MattKC3. Here's one for you, John. Will Rizzo get behind a statue for our wonderful leader, Big Ange, now? Hey, I'll wait till we've actually won the league, but as soon as that's confirmed, the hashtag statue for Ange will be making a debut in tour. At Seamus underscore Michael D, he said it was the photo of Jota and Tati in that ice bath. Did you see that yesterday? Rizzo? I did see that. I did. That was highly amusing. I think it was Carl Starfield that put that on Instagram, but... Uh... Aye, the team that baths together wins together. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Angus said the three Rangers players claiming offside before Rogic rattles it in. The sound of the ball hitting the net too is sheer perfection. I've got to say, at the time, I didn't really notice Rangers players were claiming offside because when that ball went in, I think we were all looking around, weren't we? Assuming it was offside too in the pub, John. And Rogic's celebration as well. It's funny that he's he doesn't really de- he's not very demonstrative when he scores, apart from that of course, one against Aberdeen, but, I mean, his celebrations are usually low-key, even that one was low-key, although I think he did, for looking at the goal again, I think he had a quick look at uh, Willie Collum, and I think he'd give him the nod it was a goal, but it, it was, he's not really a guy that, like, gives it a lot with celebrations, Rogic, I mean, he's a low-key kind of guy, I'd say, but no, I was, I thought it may have been offside, but then, obviously, it was just about played on, so, I never noticed that myself, the three Rangers players. Neil Rafferty then says, again, he mentions uh, Callum McGregor's run that got us out of a hole in the first half and right back into the game. But he also said, off the park, has to be the branding, especially the cardboard tunnel arch, presumably made out of leftover bits of Borna Barisic. What was your take on that ridiculous tunnel arch, John? I'm not really sure what Rangers were thinking there. I mean, I've no really... Unsurprisingly, my Rangers pals have been quiet eh, since yesterday. Although, happy birthday to one of them today. <laughs> Good birthday for him. And uh, I've not really heard what they've made it, but I don't know what Rangers will think. That was just daft. If we'd done something like that, it'd just be deeply embarrassing, and I'm sure I would be laughing as we would deserve it. We deserve the slagging we'd get. Who knows what goes through their heads most days, never mind yesterday. Anyway, there's another one at Rise of Hez who said, Cardboard Hardman Ryan Jack getting hooked after the GG incident. Kimchi Strider has said not so much a moment as they never showed the angle on TV, but there's a great one where Gigi's pretty much just like mocking Ryan Jack, which was fantastic to see. A lot of people, like Andy Holmes, 97, was saying Ralston, Body and Kent. I'm going to get quite a few of these ones, so here's, okay, here's one, John. It's a food-related one. You'll never know this because as a veggie, you would never have a smoked sausage supper. No, I would not. Connor, at Foley Me, said his favourite... Moment yesterday was the smoked sausage supper to finish off the evening. Truly one of the greats. But yeah, that's a no comment from you, I'm assuming. I would not put my Subway sandwich on a pub with that, I'd imagine. Chaz, new key burden, was saying probably the final whistle because he had three dreams in the last week that it would finish 2-2. So in the final 10 minutes or so, he was genuinely shitting himself. And again, John, I don't think anybody was more worried than you yesterday. So Chaz, believe me, you were nowhere near as bad as Rizzo, who was just a blubbering mess for those last 10 minutes. I'm usually like that most days anyway, so no change there then. Add the lad 57 said that the guy greeting on the TV was calling the goal. Did you see that yesterday, John? The guy said I did see it. Yes, I did. That was, that was highly, highly uh, moving and very, very funny indeed. I mean, hopefully he regrets that, but probably won't. I'm not reading out Liam King's comment because we'll probably get lawyers on his, but I know exactly what you're talking about, Liam, but we can't read that one out. So, Romania CSC, great guys were saying their favourite moment was Ange's celebration for the second goal. He sort of reminds me a bit of Rogic as well, no, beca- no just because they're Australian, but under- I definitely think he's understated, but he did 
celebrate that one well. It was uh, it was good to see. Gavin McAllister mentioned something about EDL Abdul. I generally forget that guy exists. Aiden CSC, the sheer silence in the stadium after Rogic's goal. That's something we've talked about, just how crucial the timing of it was when he scored that. Mark Kearney was saying, without a doubt, the best moment was seeing the place emptying in the Celtic section in full voice. And that's exactly why we needed the 700 fans in there yesterday. And it would, I mean, it did sound like thousands, didn't it, John? It did. I mentioned that already, the celebrations at the end, and they were my highlight as well. So, well said, mate. CBEV91 corner. He mentions Ralston, Bodden, Ryan, Clark, Kent. The Art of Radiance talks about Gigi, Scud and Jack. There's a lot of people basically were talking about how Ryan Jack and Ryan Kent were just getting bodied by our players, which was fantastic. And that was their highlight of the game. Troy Boy at Tapped71, he says, in retrospect, he really enjoyed our defending in the last 20 minutes or so. I'm going to agree with him there because I thought everyone got involved. It was a real team effort. We were all fighting. We're all basically pulling together in the same direction while Rangers were just like a stuttering mess at that point. Sorry, well, John. Um, John, there's a guy at Dead by Dylan celebrating wheelchair guy, and he's put a photo up of the wheelchair that you were talking about. Yes, he was sensational. At CFC Lyle, he said, had to be when that mob tried to throw something at the players after celebrating, only for the players to laugh and dodge, and then Scott being to call them all scummy bastards. He is a baniac once more. And Flynn Lafferty. Here's a cracker from him. His favourite memory of yesterday was the resilience shown by Celtic going 1-0 down in three minutes in that toxic atmosphere to then go on to equalise minutes later and then go on to bring back the three points. So it shows how mentally strong this Celtic team are. And that's where we should leave it because that's what happened yesterday and we all would agree with that, right Stevie? Rizzo has got a gig to go to, so I have to leave it there and let him go to his gig. I would read out more of your comments, but the big man's a spoil spot. And he'll end up chopping the pod <laughs> if he doesn't get to go to this gig. He will go in a huff, so I'm going to have to let him go and do his outro. But seriously, to everyone who tweeted in, the engagement has been first class. Thanks so much, and especially to the people who messaged in on Instagram too. John, it's great to get engagement on the pod, isn't it, though? It is, and if I wasn't going to see fucked up tonight, then we'd have more time for it. But duty calls. Well done, our pals at Pod Tims. Some of them have been on this podcast. Before, they've hit 10,000 followers on Twitter, which is an unbelievable achievement, so well done to them. And as for us, you can get us on all the usual podcast platforms. You know where by now we've been around long enough. You can follow Stevie's sensational tweets on Twitter, at GigPod. It's the same for Instagram, at GigPod, and Instagram has been getting a lot of engagement, and Stevie does his 60-second match reviews as well after games. And so follow us on those places. And we'll probably be back with a preview for St. Johnson, not sure yet, but I mean, we'll definitely have a podcast out after that and we'll no doubt have previews, etc. for the next derby in the Scottish Cup semi-final. But that's the end of this epic podcast, an hour long, what a, what a treat, but then we don't always win at Ibrox. So thanks everybody for listening and hail, hail. Podcast Network.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.